1: This is a podcast from
0: the South China Morning Post.
1: It's rare to see public protests in China. But just over a week ago, more than 1,000 people gathered in front of the People's Bank of China in Zhengzhou, the capital city of Henan Province. Many of them held Chinese flags in their hands, some even held signs written in English saying against the violence and corruption of the Henan government. The crowd is shouting, Henan banks, give my money back. Their bank accounts have been frozen since April, locking them out of their savings. And it's now been revealed that up to 40 billion yuan that's six billion US dollars, has disappeared from four Henan banks, gone. Local authorities claim a criminal gang had stolen the money, but it's what happened next that made world news. A large group of unidentified men in white shirts begin attacking the protesters, beating them with iron rods, kicking them, dragging them down the stairs. There's many questions. How did a gang manage to steal so much money from rural banks and get away with it? How did a large gang of violent men dressed in white not get identified and tracked in China's surveillance society? But the story has much bigger ramifications beyond the Hunan province. It's about confidence in China's banking system. The implications could be huge. People are asking, what about other local banks? If the
2: local government allowed such illegal operations to exist for 10 years, would the same happen to other local banks in other areas?
1: That's what one expert had to say about it on SEMP.com. But he can't be identified because he's not authorized to speak to the media. But the Henan banking scandal is not the only story of people protesting about their money in China right now. There's another protest happening, but this one is happening in an estimated 90 cities across China. It's a protest that could shake the very foundations of China's economy. And it's happening in a year leading up to the single most important political meeting for Xi Jinping and his plans for China's future. The 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. Welcome to the Inside China podcast. My name is Holly Chick. In this episode, we're headed to our office in Beijing to hear more about the Henan Bank scandal and its continuing fallout. And before we get started, let me remind you that this is a developing story my colleagues here in Hong Kong and in Beijing are constantly following up on what's happening and what is about to happen, and you can read all their latest stories and analysis on scmp.com. In this episode, I'm going to teach you a Chinese phrase, Wei "烂尾楼" in its direct translation, means broken tail or broken end building. It's a phrase that refers to the estimated 300 unfinished housing projects in more than 90 cities across China. A growing number of people who have taken out mortgages for apartments and flats in these housing projects have decided to stop paying any more money until the projects are finished. It's a massive consumer strike. But there's no street protests, no crowds of people shouting slogans there is however a lot of activity online the chinese authorities are trying to block and delete and we're going to find out more about that but first to beijing amanda lee is based in our beijing bureau and covers markets and the economy for the south china morning post amanda we've got two very different stories here about banks in china one that went global on news websites, with a video showing hundreds of people protesting in front of a bank in Henan, demanding their money back, and then, and then being fictiously attacked by a gang of men dressed in white shirts. But there's also a much bigger protest happening in China. A protest with the potential to cause a huge problem for China's economy, and it's mostly happening in private. So Amanda, let's start with Henan. What happened so Amanda, let's start with Hunan. What happened there a little earlier ago?
0: So on uh, April the 18th, um, uh, savers of four rural banks in Henan and a couple of other rural banks in Anhui, they tried to lock onto the system and, uh, you know, to check their accounts. Uh, but they saw this message um, that says system upgrades ongoing. And since then, um, they've not been able to access their account. So all of their deposits have been frozen. It has been frozen for over three months, I think. And since then, they've, they've been going out to Zhengzhou, the capital city of Hunan province, to protest. So that started um, in, in April, actually. So it's been ongoing. And the tension has been building up uh, up until
1: uh, July the 10th. So, Amanda, these people haven't have access to their money since April, and it's been more than three months now. What's happened since then? Did people get their money back?
0: Um, they formed groups on social media. Uh, So they've been um, very active, very, very proactive in uh, telling people what's going on. Uh, So they've actually reached out to uh, international media so including the South China Morning Post, uh, to tell us their stories. So that's how we found out that um, they weren't able to withdraw their deposits for for over three months, nearly four months now.
1: What's the link here to local governments? Who is actually responsible for guaranteeing the deposits in these small banks?
0: So after the the violent clash on July 10th, um, the next day, the Henan branch of the Chinese banking and insurance regulator Uh, said that they would start to repay savers, especially uh, starting with those that have uh, less than 50,000 yuan uh, worth of deposits. Now, some of them have been able to get the the payment. Uh, Some of them haven't been able to. So they, again, the regulator has, they said something yesterday uh, with uh, an interview, with state-owned media saying that they would be repaying all the principal uh, from the victims in these banks, but they haven't outlined, they haven't given a timetable of when, but they promised they would repeat them,
1: all of that principle. Amanda, you mentioned these people are talking to international media about the scandal. What about in China? Is the story being reported by state media?
0: Here and there, um, but the July 10th clash was not recorded. And it was actually censored when the videos and pictures were circulating on social media uh, they were they were censored, so they were quickly removed. Uh, when I spoke to some of these de- depositors, they were actually quite happy that um, you know we are from outside of China, and so we were able to report on it, and they they wanted to share with us their story.
1: So, have you been talking to these people since then? Have they got their money back yet?
0: I have. Uh, Unfortunately, those uh, depositors that I spoke to, but most of, all of them had over fifty thousand yuan of deposits um, in the banks. So they haven't um, received all of that uh, their savings back. Some of them were very suspicious of how the local governments are handling this. Uh, so they were asked to register their bank details, uh, you know, transaction amount, transaction date. And they didn't want to do it because they said that they didn't trust the local governments. So they, they didn't think the local governments were on their side. So those guys haven't actually received anything at all.
1: What about those people who were dressed in white and attacked the protesters? What do we know about them?
0: We haven't uh, been told who these guys are. Um, there were no Uh, confirmations and there were no signs of, you know, whether there was an investigation of what happened on on the day from the authorities. So unfortunately, we don't know much about it at this point in time.
1: This is not the first scandal with small rural banks. Do you think this is a one-off in terms of banking scandals? Or is there a risk that this incident will lead to a crisis of confidence, and lead to runs on other small banks in other provinces.
0: Uh, a lot of the, Ch- the Chinese small banks are—they have some kind of connections uh, to the local government. It was mostly because the way they were set up. For example, in uh, some of the Henan banks that are in the news, their majority shareholder is another rural bank that was uh, majority owned and controlled by a local government financing vehicle. So that vehicle, is kind of like, think of it like a commercial company that's owned by the local government. It speaks very clearly to the savers because they would just connect it with the local government straight away. So that's why, you know, this is a very important story because that would mean to a lot of these savers, we don't trust the government. There's a confidence issue here. Uh, There's mistrust. So it isn't very good for, for, for the local governments here. So they, they want to manage uh, the crisis. First of all, they, they agreed to repay the, the savers uh, fully, uh, but we don't know when uh, that's going to happen. They have, not, they have not said when, but there's a reputation risk going on. And so that would spread To other banks. And that's another part was the property market because of their exposure to the property market. We know that the property market has been in trouble for for quite some time now. Um, We see property sales are going down, property developers are defaulting on on their debt. So the situation is, is getting worse.
1: So what are your sources telling you about it? Is this worse than Evergrande? What's the level of concern on finance and property circles? The
0: problem with the uh, property market is that um, the sentiment's really weak. Now that a lot of these developers are not able to finish their projects to to complete the construction, you know, no buyers are going to be investing in these properties because as soon as they take out a loan, they're not going to be able to finish the, the construction uh, so, you know, then their, their payment will, will go down to drain. So that, that is um, a, a situation that has been ongoing and it's, it has got worse. Um, as a result, we see some of these homeowners are saying, well, we're not going to continue with our mortgage payments because we, our houses are never going to get completed. And so they, they are doing that. Um, they've written a lot of these um, uh, petition letters So these are sort of groups of homeowners that have bought into a particular development. And they said that we're not going to continue to pay for for our mortgage uh, because the banks have not done their job to supervise these payments. And they continue to give developers who are in financial trouble, who are never going to be able to finish these properties, money. And so, you know, it's not fair to us because we are paying as well, but we're not going to see our houses completed. So you've got that going on as well. Many, many homeowners are affected.
1: Well, this is something entirely separate from Henan. It's being described as a mortgage strike. And it sounds much, much bigger than the Henan scandal. We'll be right back after this. As critical news stories emerging from China continue to shape lives and business around the world, the weekly SCMP Global Impact Newsletter brings you expert analyses and insights on the economics of COVID-19, society, technology, and the environment. Sign up to receive your weekly email at scmp.com newsletters. Something you need to know about the Chinese economy. There's a huge amount of money invested in real estate roughly 70% of China's household wealth. That's about 2 trillion yuan, or about 300 billion US dollars. For comparison, about 40% of household wealth is invested in American real estate. And buying a home in China is a bit different to how it's done in the West. In China, people take out mortgages and put their money down on apartments in buildings that are yet to be built. And more often than not, The whole family goes in on the deposit and mortgage. In the US, Australia, Europe, it's the newlywed couple saving up for a deposit. But in China, it's a family affair. Your sister, your brother, your uncle, everyone gets asked to contribute. Now, normally, this system works fine. But as of last year and the Evergrande debt default, many more developers have found that they have run out of money leaving unfinished skeletons of building projects across China, while at the same time, the value of these projects are dropping. Last week, the property research firm China Index Academy published figures that show prices for new homes in 100 cities plunged more than 40% in the first half of this year, compared with the same period last year. Now, do you see what's fueling the anger in this mortgage strike? People are not only paying huge mortgages on half-finished apartment buildings where construction has stopped. They're watching the value of these buildings drop day by day. The latest information on the mortgage strike in China is that it has now spread to more than 300 projects in 90 cities. At the start of this podcast, I warned you that the story was developing. And during the past days of recording and editing this episode, sure enough, things have changed. With me is Pearl Liu from SCMP Business Desk. She's been following the story and talking to people who refuse to pay any more money on these unfinished apartment buildings. Let's start with some deeper context. People are refusing to make any more mortgage payments because building developers have essentially run out of money and stopped working. Can you give us an idea of how many of these projects have stopped? Sure.
2: Based on our interviews and calculation, there are 18. out of 25 distressed developers that have at least one unfinished projects. And based on CGS, CIMB Securities, there are some 1.1 million unfinished homes across
1: the country. So is an estimated 1.1 million apartments. How many developers are in trouble now?
2: So recently, Roshine China Holdings became the 19th developer that's defaulted which means it failed to pay its interest on offshore bond. while there are another six that has applied for deadline extension.
1: We've heard reports that a large group of people refusing to pay their mortgage have posted their reason why they're doing this online. And much of this has been deleted by the central government. But Pearl, you have been talking directly to some of these people. What have they been telling you? So
2: I talked to this guy in Zhengzhou who has already signed a public letter not to pay the mortgage. He is now paying 4000 a month for the mortgage um, for over three years, but still he has not received his home. Well, when he visited the construction site, um, not so many workers there. So he
1: asked himself, so why I'm paying this? And what is for? So we've heard about the social credit system in China. Are these people you're talking to worried that the system is going to punish them for not paying their mortgage?
2: Yeah, there is one woman that I talked to in Chengdu who said that um she cannot sign those public letters and who has to continue pay because um, her husband is a civil servant. If they sign anything of that or um, stage demonstration, her husband' job will be in danger.
1: What are you seeing or reading from social media? I think after um,
2: those public letters were circulated online, there are more home buyers um, started to worry about their own homes. Because before, they might be just um, individuals who are seeing their buildings not being constructed. And now they're seeing actually there are more people going through the same experience. And I guess there will be more people considering such approach, for example, talking to the banks about their mortgage um, cut or like mortgage extension.
1: So let's talk about Beijing's response. On Sunday, we saw a special announcement from the central bank. And in the past one or two days, we've had reports of a special intervention from Beijing for those people refusing to pay their mortgages. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah. So
2: on Sunday, um, Beijing started to instruct banks to um, give more credits to those developers um, so that they can have enough money to finish those unfinished homes. And over the past couple of days, I've seen some local governments starting to um, summon the local banks as well as the developers to set up meeting to see how to solve those problems.
1: What about the reports of no penalties for people not paying their mortgages? I've heard about things like grace period.
2: Yeah, um, there are some um, rumors going around, and I think that is what the home buyers are looking for. But so far, as I talked to those home buyers already um, signed those um, public letters, they say that no words are heard from their local governments and their
1: developers. pro can you just give us the latest on this? Is the strike? continuing to grow in size?
2: I think um, the home buyers have already signed the public letters. They're kind of taking a wait-and-see approach. They hope that um, something can happen in the coming months to see whether the construction can be resumed or at least partially resumed. Their ultimate goal is not really to cut the mortgage. Their ultimate goal is to get their homes.
1: We'll be watching your reports in the days to come on scMP.com Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Holly. That's all for this week's Inside China. It's great to be back in your podcast feed after a longer than expected break. Remember, Amanda Lee and the team in Beijing, as well as our specialist property market journalists, are closely following this story. You can read their latest stories and analysis on scnp.com. Don't forget to follow the SCMP Newsroom on Twitter at SCMPnews. And as the new wave of Omicron is spreading around the world, remember, get your booster, keep that mask on, stay safe. Bye for now.